0: Movies and booze
1: on Moncrief. Brought to you by
0: Lidl's award-winning wine range. Lidl. More for you.
1: Enjoy alcohol sensibly. Visit drinkaware.ie.
0: Esther McCarthy, Mick O'Connell and Finola Jones join us all uh, once again this week. Good afternoon to you all.
2: Good afternoon. Hi,
0: Sean. Hi Sean. Uh, hi, Sean. To all of you. Uh, or hi back to all of you with your respective names. And Sean
2: deleted out. Uh, Mick, uh, is it Italy we're visiting today? well we we, we have to follow follow the pasta chat with some Italian wines. it makes makes perfect sense. Mm. so we're doing a a white from Friuli, which is up on the Slovenian border, so the the northeast, and we're doing a red from Chianti from Colisanese, the hills around Siena. right, okay, now obviously people that know
0: Chianti uh, Friuli, i'm I must say I'm less familiar with that that's an actual region, is it?
2: Yeah, Friuli is the region, so it's 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 around Treviso. So people know it, I suppose. The, the rugby fans among the listeners will know it as as one of the hotspots for Italian rugby. It's uh it's a major it's major city is Trieste, and and it's very famous actually because it's got forestry, and so it's it's quite an industrial place as well. Um, but in terms of the wines that are produced there, it tends to be kind of aromatic grape varieties. The major one being Pinot Grigio. So we all know Pinot Grigio, but mm. usually that's from Veneto around uh, Verona and Venice. Um, but this particular one is Treminer Aromatico, which some of us would know better as Gewurztraminer, but is a ah, is right. quite a floral kind of style of, of grape. Very right. interesting grape.
0: Okay. And Esther, today it's, it's two films about homosexuality, given that everybody accepts that really that's what Tom and Jerry is all about.
1: Oh, my God. I just get my head around Ernie and Bert and now you
0: come up with that show and what? Ah, oh yeah, come on.
1: <laughs> it's, um, yeah, the Tom and Jerry is an interesting one because uh, I like countless families all over the country, myself and my little brother used to reenact... Um, some of the madder scenes from Tom and Jerry cartoons, with apologies to my mother's saucepan collection. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's interesting to see if they can reboot it for a new generation, I guess. Um, what they're doing here, this was in development for years. Mm. Um, it's about a decade in development. But what they're doing here is blending that manic um, manic an animation of the William Hannah Hanna and Joseph Barber cartoons with live action um, and p- pitting them against oh. real life characters, including um, Chloe Grace Grace Moretz and uh, Michael Pina is in this one as well and Rob Delaney. Uh, so is that going to work? Will that wash is kind of what we're going to discuss th- about that film.
0: Do they talk?
1: Thankfully, no. I okay. remember the film in the 90s where they had them yeah. talking. It was absolute travesty. It was.
0: Yeah, because I think point, in the TV series later on they didn't. Talk, they started talking for some reason.
1: They did talk in some of them, and I think um, Tom sang in a few of them and stuff. Uh, they tried so many things with those cartoons over the years. I guess, like they're eighty years old now. The first ones in nineteen forty. Um, mm. So it's a long, yeah, because yeah, because uh,
0: the essential Tom and Jerry is based on a violence uh, uh, and an extremely <sharp> racist trope of the woman whose house they live in
1: completely racist trope, Mammy um yeah, that was really problematic. And there were other, you know, as well as the representation of her, uh, uh, was also, there were other racist elements in the cartoons. In fact, actually, they were all re-released in um, 2005, and Whoopi Goldberg kind of said, you know, the depictions that you see were wrong then and they're wrong today. Um, and she said they don't represent the view of t- today's society, but... Um, They presented them as they were originally created And I suppose, you know, her her point was to do otherwise. It would be the same as claiming these prejudices never existed. Mm. So that's kind of an interesting take on it, I think. But yeah, lots of problematic stuff. Um, There was, you know, they were were a bit cutting edge, like when Itchy and Scratchy popped up in The Simpsons, obviously inspired um, by Tom and Jerry, like they were an exaggeration of what they used to do to each other, but only a minor one, I would say. <laughs> yes,
0: <you know? laughs> it's true. It Maybe just slightly more imaginative in the ways they were trying to kill each other. Uh, exactly. And, uh, and Ammonite now, I suppose it's, it's got a lot of pre-publicity, so uh, a lot of people might already know who's in it and what what it's about.
1: Yeah, a lot of talk about this one, not least because of the depiction of uh, Mary Anning, the the paleontologist at the centre of the story, as um, as a lesbian woman with little or no evidence to that, Um, so we can talk a little bit more Mm. about that later, but um, it's a period movie, it's set in the um, 1840s in the south coast of England and it's about these two women, one of whom is a young married woman who is, you know, grieving really, we only find out what what her troubles are later in the film, but um, you know, she's they they form this bond, I suppose, played by Kate Winslet and Sarah Ronan, and then gradually form a kind of an illicit relationship, uh, which would have absolutely not been found, you know, not been celebrated in mm. society in this period and this time. So that's uh, that's about it.
0: But have they owned the fact there's no evidence for the story they're depicting?
1: Yeah, I mean, like, you know, uh, the, he's kind of come out and said, why do we presume all these characters, um, the, the, the director's come out, so why do we presume all these characters are straight? And to me, that is, that's kind of doubling down, you know, mm. um, it's, it's a legitimate point, but I don't think it is a legitimate reason to portray a, a person who has lived um, in a certain manner without knowing if that is factual or not, you know. So there's been a lot of controversy about this. Before the cameras even started rolling, like her family were complaining about this, her descendants. So, yeah, mm. it's an interesting
3: Okay,
0: one. yeah. Okay, that is uh, very interesting. And uh, uh, for apparently Jane Fonda doesn't want the ride.
3: She does not. She's dead right. She has yeah. retired apparently in this new interview with um with Harper's Bazaar. She's eighty three years of age, in fairness, and she said she's kind of been through the mill in terms of marriages, recently married to Ted Turner, but they split up in two thousand and one. And she doesn't regret it. Kind of said that uh, every person that she's been with has led her down this new path and she's learned things or whatever. Um, but basically, yeah, no more marriages. She's still enjoying a little bit of fantasizing. Um, she'd love to meet maybe a professor or a researcher, uh, someone who's capable of loving and of cherishing a woman. I'm quoting her now. Um, and she would want them to be younger as well. She said, she she said it's a thing about skin. I would want a younger man and I'm too vain. She just says great oh. correct standards, in my opinion. But yeah, she's off the market, guys. Forget.
0: About right. Okay. So, but, but uh, how, did she specify how much younger? And what's the skin thing? As she doesn't like wrinkly <laughs> skin.
3: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure if it's like a a fetish thing or a purely vanity thing. I don't really want to even think about that. She did not specify how much younger, but yeah, they need to have a legit skincare routine. I would imagine if you're going to be if Jane pops up on the Tinder and you're thinking of swiping, whatever way, you need to make sure you're at least cleansing, toning, and moisturizing. I
0: would say. Right, because there's parts of the body that are going to be crinkly no matter what happens. Uh, That's very true Uh, Very true She's going to have to live with that Uh, But (laughs) then again She's as you say She's hung up her Bondage gear Or whatever it was She wanted to hang up Uh, Right so So Mick uh, Which wine would you like To drink first I I think we should do
2: The one from Friuli Um, White's first but but this particular one is it's it's from our kind sponsors little um, and it's great value it's 8.99 in their stores it's from uh, a producer called Gaudenzio. and again this is Treminer aromatico from Friuli and that's up in the northeast of Italy so it's really that region is famous for its white wines as opposed to its reds necessarily and actually it's a it's a really interesting region for whites because it also tends to be one of the homes of skin contact white wines. So that's what other people would call orange wines. Um, But it's also white wines that are made a little bit like red wine. So this, this particular wine is really aromatic in style. It's floral. You get all of these kind of rose petal and lychee kind of aromas. Really, really excellent with spicy food or with oriental and Asian cuisine. Um, and like I said, this is, this is really smashing value as well. So this is a, a really kind of a wine that's practical and can be used in lots of situations. So right. So it's kind of to
0: look out for. It's orange wine adjacent kind of thing, would you say?
2: This particular one isn't in style. This is is kind of much softer, much more fruity in style. It's just that this particular region is very famous for that. This region is the one that has put that kind of style on the map. And I would say, actually, the orange wines from this place, they actually... Probably take the fruitiness and the floral and the pretty aromas down a notch. Actually, out of one of these wines, so um, it, the orange wines are very f- um, food flexible. They're they're absolutely fantastic with food, um, but so is this in its own right. So it's a it's a floral, pretty style, and that really works with kind of fragrant, spicy foods. Um, where the orange wines, they'll they'll really they they fit in where where red wines do.
0: Uh, and uh, did you see uh, a lot of people saw during the week that these bottles of wine once you know came back from space Um, and uh, because they seemed like pretty expensive wine that they'd sent up there
2: I didn't see that. I'm oh. shocked that, that that falls into falls perfectly into my kind of routine of avoiding the news at all costs <laughs> in case something <laughs> worse happens in the world.
0: No, it was kind of there. The, it's been up there for a year, and and I think there were French, and I think there were from kind of like the right the, the right side of the riverbank in Bordeaux, kind of thing. Oh, wow. uh, and uh, they they. But as far as I could tell, they got people to, to and, they, you know, and they had like exactly the same vintage that remained on earth. So they did a kind of a comparison. Uh, oh, now, cool. One person said they thought that the wine tasted a bit older, uh, even though technically, and uh, now you could. I think if you go into space, you're a, I think you're a little bit younger, actually, by a microsecond. And the, the other person said they couldn't tell the difference. So uh, maybe it's interesting. It has no effect whatsoever. Uh, Sending a- wine.
2: There's an interesting way that some people off the coast of Greece and some champagne producers have done this as well, where they put their wines and age them under the sea so they put them in kind of chests and put them under the sea and the idea there is that if it's under the sea under a cork literally no air at all can pass through the cork obviously um and the idea there is that they should be slowing down the aging process i just in the back of my mind i'm thinking i'm was it apollo 13 esther or was it apollo 11 i can never remember the name of all these ones but i'm thinking of that film with bits of the the space shuttle falling off as they're coming back into orbit and I'm thinking that's too hot to store wine you can't do that (laughs) good
0: point Uh, apparently it was Chateau Petrus Pomerol Uh, no No way. way why wasn't I invited four grand a bottle Thank you very much. My word. Uh, Someone else says, a few years ago, I was given a gift of two bottles of red wine, Chateau pont pierre 2010, Lassac Saint-Emilien, Chateau Pays-de-Pont, 2012, Bordeaux. Can your expert tell me if they are past their best or if not, could they please suggest an optimal timeline for their consumption?
2: not past their best, but I would get I would get stuck into them now. They they aren't wines that are necessarily to age for, for long periods of time, like that Chateau Petrus that was sent up into space. Um these are wines that will absolutely hold for 10, 12, 15 years, no problem at all, but they're not going to be improving in the bottle. So I, I, I would get stuck into them maybe this Easter Sunday. Sam says, I know you're unlikely to ever be reviewing BookFast, but
0: are there actually any good tonic wines? I've never heard of a tonic wine other than Bucky.
2: There, there used to be a couple of other ones, but Bookfast is by far and and away the uh, the kind of the market leader, <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> if, if you
2: could call it that. That's, that's quite strange. There was one called Nine Monks. I'm not sure if that's still around. Um, and I remember when it, when I was first working in McHugh's on the Kilbaric Road, we used to have a couple of other – they used to call them British wines. And I think uh, English sparkling <laughs> wine producers would love to get away from that – Uh, uh, old school reputation now, yeah.
0: Yeah, I suppose it could well be because Bockfast has maybe destroyed the reputation of tonic wines.
2: I'm I'm fairly sure. So I I used to work with a chap, Richard, who he was the buyer for a big cash and carry in the UK called uh, Booker's, And Booker's has since been swallowed up into Tesco, really a major supplier, but they were the biggest seller of Bookfast. And he was doing an analysis of the sales. And I was going, what are these major spikes that we're seeing? And there were two spikes every single year, and when he dug down deep into them it coincided with the uh, Glasgow Celtic versus Glasgow Rangers matches every single year twice a year and you can probably tell what happened
0: (laughs) It's a cultural phenomenon Uh, (laughs) Esther uh, which movie would you like to do first? Let's do Tom and Jerry Uh, It's
1: the Easter holidays Right,
0: okay Tom and Jerry coming up after this Oh my gosh Why is he alive?
2: Why is he here? It's over, Jerry. I'm calling in the boys and guys. Why do you have Prita's rink? Have you had it this
3: entire time? Give it to me. Now, drop the ring.
2: Oh. Oh. What do you want part, Jerry? You want to stay here? You little con artist. Fine. We can discuss this on my terms.
0: Where did he go? Tom? where did he go? I uh not stop. Right, uh, that's uh, uh, Tom and Jerry. Uh, uh, so everybody sit back and let Esther explain the really complex plot.
1: <laughs> Cat and mouse <laughs> don't like each other. Oh, all right, okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> bye. <laughs> Give us some wine, Mick. <laughs> um, yeah, so what they're doing here is, um, it's the first time in about thirty-four years, actually, I think we've had... Um, a Tom and Jerry movie, so I'm really interested to see kind of how they were going to break this down, you know, for uh, first of all, for a modern audience and secondly, for an audience of children where it mightn't be acceptable to have two characters walloping the head off each other Mm. anymore. So uh, what they've done is they've brought in a bit of live action. I think they have kept the mischief, and you can hear, I think, from the sound effects there, even the fun of that um, animation as as they get into conflict with each other. That's all still there, um, but but I think if you're expecting the anarchic spirit of the original short films, like prepare to be disappointed because this is Tom and Jerry reinvented really for a modern family audience. So it's set in New York, um, contemporary New York, and we meet first meet Tom Cat busking in Central Park he's playing the piano and he's dreaming of becoming a famous piano player one day but along comes Jerry his his long-term nemesis um, to destroy the gig and his plans and he starts dancing in front of Tom and of course steals the audience and the busking budget um, from under his nose so that's how we meet them Um, and then we get to meet the kind of live action characters so the Tom and Jerry are animated but everything around them is real life Okay, um, it's right. live action mm. and we meet, I think, Chloe Grace Moretz is a good casting for this because she's totally up for it. Um, she's young. She's a bit of fun herself. She's good at that kind of animated um, comedy reaction stuff. And she is Kayla. So she's she's kind of street savvy herself now. She'd be she'd be Jerry. She'd be a human Jerry, very street smart. And uh, she's managed to hoodwink herself into a job in this fancy hotel in New York because she there's a big celebrity wedding taking place. Um, a very famous couple who she's obsessed with, follows them on Instagram, loves them and wants to get this job so she can inveigle her way into their lives. Um, the wedding is very OTT. Um, there are even uh, elephants involved and stuff like that. <laughs> it's very... So it's very arch, you know, which is where it needed to be, I think. Um, she starts to work under the um, um, care of the event manager, who's a uh, guy called Ter- Terrence, who's played by Michael Pina, who's practically winking at the camera here. And, but unfortunately, Jerry decides to take up residence in the hotel on the eve of the wedding. And, you know, they don't want to bring in the... Um, Experts and make it very obvious that there is a rodent in the building. So what they do instead is is um, task Tom in a race against time to catch the um, mouse before he causes cre- complete havoc at the wedding. So right. that's the idea behind it. So they've bothered with a story, you know. Mm. I think setting it in a hotel is a good idea. It's a good concept. Um, But, and and it's aware as well, like it's very aware that non-dialogue is part of the character's charm here, thankfully, not like the film from the 90s. Um, And then in any case, by making it live action, they have the human characters to fill the story gaps anyway in dialogue, you know. So that all works fairly well. Um, It is... The animation is wonderful, the slapstickness is there, people get, you know, mice and cats get properly walloped by um, frying pans like the good old days. But then it makes a a call towards the end of the film. I'm not going to say what it is, but as a Tom and Jerry purist, an officiando, I'd say even, Sean, I was appalled at the editorial call they made towards the end of the film. And that's all I'll say. Um, yeah, so oh it's god, brand. I can even
0: guess what it is. I'm not going to speculate you out loud what know. it is. Yeah, but you don't I don't.
1: know when you see it. Yeah, yep. You, no. yeah. Yeah, and, and you're spot on. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh my god, why did you have to do that? So you know, it did. It 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 works. I think for kids, I think it's worth, um, buying. And you have to buy this one. It's a brand new release. It's um, you you know, movie industry jaws collectively dropped late last year when the head of Warner Brothers in the US said they were re they were releasing all of their films for 2021 um, on online and say at the same time as in cinemas regardless of what was happening with the pandemic and this is one of the first one of these so you'd be paying a proper ticket price you'd be paying 17 or 18 euro for Ooh. this um, and it I do think it's a new movie it's um, if your kids like cartoons I think is enough here but as I say the, the judge and call they made towards the end had me jaw on the ground. Um, and I do think as well, having seen it and enjoyed it kind of grand enough like. But I do think what made those short films work is they were shorts. You know, they were about mm. seven minutes long. And I think that's um, we were basically watching the same film over and over again. Yeah. You know? But because it was seven minutes long and the genius, of the animation and the slapstick nature and the sound and all of that, they were just little um, Little masterpieces, I think, you know, I've been watching some of them uh, again, actually, since watching this. And I think that's how it it worked um, as a short film. And I think anyone would struggle to make a full length movie out of this. Having said that, the live action blend with animation stuff didn't really bother me.
0: Mm, How were they animated, by the way? Did it look, were they animated in the same style as they were in the original?
1: yeah thankfully now they have made um they have tweaked things but thankfully the character the character like if they did them in the way of the original they would actually kind of look old-fashioned now so i get that they had to do a bit of tweaking but the characters Mm. still look and move very much like the original characters so that's all good
0: yeah uh the uh, someone wants to know is this a very small kids
1: yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's not as violent, it's not as violent as the cartoons. It doesn't have that anarchy and the chaos. Uh I think it's fine. It's yeah. It's a PG rating, yeah. which means parental guidance. So, yeah. you know, okay, I don't think there's anything to be worried about there.
0: Uh on the differences between directors of the Tom and Jerry cartoons, Fred Twinby uh, did the classic ones while Chuck Jones was the poor relation. Uh says Martin, "Yes, I think we actually did an, an item on the show and the, the subsequent" Later iterations, the animation wasn't even done in the US. They kind of farmed it out. Uh, Phil says, even though it was racist and violent, there was no denying that the original Tom and Jerry was very funny. Brilliantly drawn and brilliantly scored. Unfortunately, any subsequent remakes have never been anywhere near as good. And this doesn't sound as if it would appeal to an adult audience, uh, says Phil. Uh, Another text says, Tom and Jerry cartoons were infamous among the session player fraternity because they were so difficult to play. I uh, guess I would. I would imagine so. Having said all that, though, you know, uh, like you and I, Esther, would be coming into it remembering the original Tom and Jerry's, you know, kids today, etc., would have a clue. So it's made for them, not for us.
1: Absolutely, and I suppose you know we will buy into it as well because the you know the parents will remember the original films, but it is for a new young audience, really, and and it is. Is it fair to say diluted? I think it is fair to say diluted, yeah. But there's still a lot of um, chaos and fun in it, I think, for small yeah, people. But yeah.
0: just Mammy and Daddy shouldn't be sitting there harrumphing uh, and saying this isn't Don't. as good as the original. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if they just uh, shelled out 17 quid. Uh, uh, Mick, a question for you. I've tried a few wines, uh, red and white, sweet and dry, but it all tastes like vinegar to me. People think I'm crazy. Am I one in one million? Uh, could you ask your wine expert? That's it. First of, first of all that's tragic, isn't
2: it? Yeah. Sorry to hear that. Um ha- have have you done the thing of going into your local wine merchant and trying to get them to recommend you one or two wines and almost putting in a little plan to get you to a particular place I, like try try two or three different things and then if, if you haven't nailed it by then, then just give up. That's the thing and go go to beer or another drink. I, I, I once sold wine to a lady who was, you know, totally, totally allergic to Chardonnay not any other grape version. And it wasn't just a thing of I don't like Chardonnay. She would Mm. be violently ill if there was even 1% of Chardonnay in any of the wines that she had. And it's just one of those things. Some of us do not, wine does not agree with some of us.
0: Yeah, and that sounds actually more like that might be the case uh, for that woman. Oh, the poor thing! Uh, Moraid says my boyfriend is German. He hasn't been home for a long time for obvious reasons. I was hoping to treat him with a nice wine from home and some German food tonight. Would you, uh, would your expert know of any really good German wines available
2: in Dublin? Moraid is oh. in Terenure. Yeah, there's loads. So you're in Ternure, You've got Greenman Wines, who are who are just down the road on the way to Harold's Cross. Um, so local to you there, and they have a great German selection. They have wines from Peter Jakob Kuhn, who's a, a, a dry Riesling specialist from um, the Rheingau region. They have wines from Geil, which are fantastic value in in both Riesling, and they have a delicious red wine Geil, um ah. which is Pinot Noir. So that that the Pinot Noir actually goes. really, really, really well with kind of Germanic food, if you're going to do that. But they're, they're just too producers. The Guile is great value, and the Peter Jakob Kuhn are stunning, stunning dry Riesling. So that, that's a, a pretty good cross-section. And they're, they're both in, um, in Green Man up near near tenure
0: right uh, and uh, someone else is texting in to say Esther I watched the four hour long Justice League last week this is the the, the the original director's cut of it I assume uh, honestly it was so much better than expected did Esther watch it I was surprised how quickly the four hours went by would have loved to have seen it in the IMAX I hope they screen this movie again when cinemas are open uh, did, you, did you devote four hours of your life to watching
1: this I again did. I did not, Sean. I absolutely did not. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no. <laughs> haven't seen the original film and been uh, very bored by that, uh, I was not up for a director's cut. Yeah, no. and
0: I, I thought there was, like, countless articles going through with a fine tooth comb, all the differences between the old one and the new one. Obviously, there was lots of bits uh, added in or, or you know, uh, um, uh, swapped out for each other. So uh, that would be some degree of devotion, uh, I would have thought. Fenula, totally. D- uh, Fanula, yeah. did you watch it?
3: No, I don't even have four hours to scratch myself, let alone look at Ben Affleck be a bad Batman for four hours. Not my thing. I am enjoying a lot of the memes around Wonder Woman. There seems to be a thing that Snyder's done where every scene she's in, she's introduced with this insane Amazonian music. So there's been lots of funny TikToks of people like washing the dishes and it's like Wonder Woman washing the dishes and the music plays in the background. That's as far as I will get to ever watching it, I think.
0: Right. Okay. Though, though, as far as I would go, he, uh, like Batman, he was pretty ripped in that. Uh, um, so he was looking after himself a bit.
3: Yeah, he was. But God, I do enjoy Ben Affleck in a lot of other things. But like, he's not my Batman. I'm very excited to see Robert, Robert Pattinson have a go at it. Um, hmm. I think he'll bring something a bit different. Um, but yeah, not for me. I'm yeah. also interested in the Flash movie that's coming with Ezra Miller. But no, four hours, couldn't do it. Couldn't be me.
0: Uh, yeah, I would have liked to seen Affleck do Batman like when he was letting himself go. Uh, and that's, that's a better <laughs> Batman, you know, and he's like pausing, wheezing for breath when he's chasing bodies. That, that, that would have been much better. Uh, so there's, uh, there's a yes.
1: the
3: <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, little bats break. on them that he can fling at people and sticks in their mouths. Uh, so uh, uh, Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg, they're making a war drama. So, you know, it's going to be noisy.
3: Yeah, I love this. I have something in common with Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg in the sense that I, too, have received uh, noise complaints from uh, neighbours previously. Uh, So they're working on this uh, mini-series called Masters of the Air, um, based at a former military base in Oxfordshire. And according to The Sun, neighbours in nearby Abing- Abingdon and Shippen, like the two most English-sounding places you could ever imagine. Mm. Um, they've complained to local council officials about the production um, because it's very loud. There's a lot of like machinery and late-night pyrotechnics. They're not happy, especially with uh, the year in lockdown already disrupting normal life. And um, they are not amused about it whatsoever. Um, it's supposed to be filming for the next nine months, so they're going to have to put up with it. It's not due for release on Apple TV until early twenty twenty two, but yeah, I can't imagine them being that bothered. Tom
0: Hanks and Steven Spielberg, but who knows? Maybe okay. Yeah. I would have thought it'd like liven up your lockdown a bit if there's like a war being recreated uh, uh, down uh, down the road. What's it about?
3: Um, So where do I have it here? It's like they're recreating this World War II American Air Force base. And uh, who's in it? Austin Butler, based on the actions of the 8th Air Force of the U.S. Army Air Forces during the war. Again, definitely not for me. But we have Bond Director, Kari Joji Fukunaga. Uh, He's executive producing. And then we have Gary Goltzman as well is involved with the project. Um, Nine episodes, production budget of £200 million. Someone make the Euro conversion there. Um, I'm sure it will be of interest to some people. I'm sure it will look amazing um, not for me, I don't think, but we'll see. I do enjoy Austin Butler. I'd be interested to see him in this, but um,
0: yeah, one to watch out for in early 2022. Okay, well, maybe they might be kind of going for, you know, to try to make the new band of brothers, uh, uh, which I suppose wouldn't do them any harm if they succeeded at that. Uh, you are yeah, listening. I think to, that's the vibe. Yeah, you are listening to The Moncrief Show on News Talk. We have to take a break. One more movie, one more film after 53106 this. is our text number that will cost you 30 cents. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on News Talk. Uh, Fanula, Esther, and Mick are still with us, and We were. Somebody did a text in about uh, that new cut of the Justice League movie. It's four hours long. Uh, A few fans of it uh, out there. My teenage son won't stop raving about Justice League. He has watched it twice. Twice, I say. Uh, So that's that's eight hours of his life. Uh, Peter says the four hours directed cut, uh, director's cut of Justice League is fantastic. Way better than The Avengers. And uh, as someone else on, I agree with you, Fanula. Uh, ben Affleck can play as many Boston characters as he likes in all those endless Bostonite <laughs> movies, but Batman, he is not. He should never have been cast as him. Never. I'd even go as far as to say it was unfair in him. He got an awful backlash. Well, there you go. He's just not... Yeah, he yeah, did. Yeah, yeah he did. He's not kind of edgy enough, really, I suppose, uh, uh, to be Batman. Uh, so while you're with us, like uh, people would have seen this Jessica Walter uh, died this week but I suppose she was she, and I just no disrespect for her she was one of those actors where you, you kind of have to know you know she was the person in that and then you go oh yeah she was in loads of things
3: Yeah absolutely I think people of my generation would have known her as Lucille Bluth in Arrested Development um, she was an actor as well died this week at the age of 80 but like as you said she won an Emmy for stuff that she done uh, Amy Prentice um, like she's been in Trapper John, M.D., Streets of San Francisco, like loads of stuff. She's been in everything. It's been so nice to kind of see the outpouring of love for her because she was just her comedic timing was so good above and beyond anything else. Uh, Tony Hale, who she would have starred alongside in Arrested Development, paid tribute to her. Uh, This week saying she was a force and her talent and timing were unmatched. Rest in peace, Mama Bluth. Um, So yeah, very emotional. David Cross as well, who would have starred with her as well, made a statement saying she was an absolutely brilliant actress and an amazing talent. And I think most people would agree. Um, Other people might have seen her in Clint Eastwood's Play Misty for me. Wow. Um, And as I said, she was Mallory Archer in Archer, the animated series, which I was obsessed with as well. She was just the best comedy matriarch. Maybe not the best, but like definitely one of the best. Absolutely. Just vicious timing and some of the best lines in Arrested Development by by her.
0: Yeah. I wonder who she was in Play Misty for me. I wonder was she the actual woman who was doing, because that was the original female stalker movie where he was, he's a DJ uh, and there's a woman who wants him to keep playing the song Misty uh, and then, you know, thinks she's having a relationship with him. God, yeah,
3: might st- be one for a rewatch over the weekend.
0: Yeah, and and yeah, she was in the streets of San Francisco. I think Michael Douglas was in that uh, um, Open to correction on that, but it was like a cop show from a gazillion years ago. Uh, the uh, another uh, question for uh, you: Make uh, uh, some advice for that last with the German boyfriend. Try getting something from somewhere else instead of stuff from down the road. When I visit my girlfriend in France, the last thing I want is bacon and cabbage washed down with pints of the black stuff. Just saying, like uh, says Michael. But you know, I'd imagine that the German wine uh, that Marie could buy is actually from Germany. Uh, uh, really I would have thought Uh, uh, Rose says last week an explosive noise came from the kitchen one evening when I nervously checked it out a half empty corked bottle of Prosecco was the cause it had spontaneously erupted popping the cork and causing the remaining Prosecco to spill all over the counter the bottle stayed intact the cork was discovered later four feet away in an open packet of Rice Krispies is this a rare or common occurrence Rose wants to know will Prosecco attack Rice Krispies if it can get a chance
2: prosecco over rice krispies is a pretty gourmet way to start your weekend Mm, morning during lockdown i would say um no in 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 general you've got two types of prosecco you've got the frizzante one which is slightly less bubble and then you have the spumante one which is the one that comes under the kind of champagne um, ceiling the it'll have the gold paper and will be in the kind of cradle thing if you take that cradle thing off someone is going to text in and tell me the actual name for that because I can't for the life of me remember what that's called but if you take that off then the likelihood is that cork is going to pop um, because there's a lot of pressure in there there's five bars of pressure in one of those spumante bottles and with the frizzante one that's the one that you see the little string over the top of the Prosecco and the reason that that little string is there is to keep the cork in although it's only two and a half bars of pressure there so it's not as like to explode but if you shake it up and move that um, move the little string then it is likely to pop right okay so it's your own fault
0: uh, <laughs> for not drinking the whole lot of it really uh, so while, while we have you Mick let's uh, move on to our second uh, wine of the day it is of course uh, the uh, Chiante, which uh,
2: possibly the most famous wine there is from Italy Ah, definitely yeah it's fantastic I think everybody remembers like my one of my first wine memories is my nan drinking bag-and-box Chianti out of the fridge and I can still smell it to this day in my head it wasn't very good Chianti I should say and this particular one is is excellent this is Casato de Medici Riccardi and it's Chianti Senesi, so it's from the hills around Siena and um, so this is one of the bigger um, regions in in the in Tuscany in general um, and and it kind of spans that whole region around the very famous Montalcino, which is where you get Brunello from, and of course, the very famous city of Siena as well. Um, one of those places where as soon as we're able to fly, I cannot wait mm-hmm. to, to go visit, and then Add to the pasta chat that we were having earlier on in, in, in fuller education. But this this particular one, it's it's a really, really classic. It's Sangiovese mainly is the grape variety. Sangiovese is that kind of slightly herbal, um, it always reminds me of rolling tobacco. So for any of those people who who smoked and that moment where you opened the rolling tobacco pouch and you let out that little sigh of, God, isn't life good? It was that smell, and that's what Sangiovese brings to me always. I and mean, you get this. Bright red cherry, and it's quite a it's quite a refreshing style of wine. The acidity is nice and bright, which makes it really, really food friendly. And this is just crying out for kind of uh, a slow cooked lamb ragu or anything that's tomato based. Any of those classic Italian dishes, lasagna, anything like that at all. But the, this is really, really great value, and, and again, is available at, at all the middle stores. Right. Okay. That sounds lovely.
0: Uh, absolutely, a uh, uh, spot on indeed. And uh, Claire did this look this up and. Uh, um, Jessica Walter did play uh, basically the psycho uh, in the in play Misty for me in the, in the uh, Clint Eastwood film in those days uh, women basically either played the secretary who kind of fancies the main character or the psycho who tries to kill him uh, <laughs> roles for women were very limited uh, in those days speaking of roles for women we might as well get on to uh, our second movie of the day it is Ammonite here's a uh, here's clip
1: that one was special I was only 11 years old days it took to
0: dig it out clean it I'd like to see it it's in the British Museum with its fancy made-up
2: name ichthyosaurus
1: we couldn't keep it
2: it was years worth of food rent and clothing
1: it was such a poor drawing child's hand I like it
0: Right. Okay. that's uh, Ammonite and Mary Anning, real person. Actually, we we, we actually did a piece uh, there just a couple of weeks ago. She was uh, um, uh, because she's one of those people that was all but forgotten about uh, and quite a significant figure in history, really.
1: Yeah, you know, a celebrated English paleontologist in her time who was quite poor um, and would have to have sold, sold um, some of her greatest discoveries to museums or to wealthier people in society. So as well as the, the, the lesbian sexual relationship period, this is really looking at class as well. Um, and the disadvantage people have in various levels of society. It's, it's directed by a guy by the name of Francis Lee, who people will remember uh, brought us a film called God's Own Country um, a few years ago. Much loved um, indie at the time, and that centred on a gay romance. Um, but this time he's turning to the female sexual relationship. So Kate Winslet's really good here, really good um, as Anning. And she spent... she's she just screams suppression in her presence <laughs> and um, and such a lovely understated performance from Winslet, I think um, she spends her days looking for fossils, looking for precious artifacts to keep herself and her elderly mother going. But it's very obvious from early on that she's a difficult relationship with her mother. Um, and then one day this man, this wealthy gentleman named Roderick Merchinson comes into her little shop. Um, with his young wife, Charlotte, who's played by Saoirse Ronan. She is clearly struggling with something. She looks like someone who's suffering from post-traumatic stress. Um, She is really not in a good way and not being helped by the dismissive behaviour of her husband. So that comes out, you know, the reasoning behind that comes out much later in the film, so I won't go into that. But um, he's heading abroad for business, so he persuades Mary um, to take in Charlotte and the two They don't get on at all at first, but gradually they embark on um, a sexual relationship and form this kind of intense bond that would, of course, have been completely frowned upon in this period. Um, Our own Fiona Shaw pops up in one or two very moving scenes with Kate Winslet's character, which suggests that she has been down this road before. Um, So it's, yeah, that's kind of the story about it. Sean? Sean? If I had one word for this, though, it would be dour. I'm afraid it's mm. very melancholy. It's very slow moving in a deliberate way, in that art house cinema way that you need to earn that. I think um, you need your audience totally on board with the characters. I think to to be so such a slowly, deliberately paced film, and I didn't. It tested my patience very early on. To be honest with you, um, found it hard to park the idea that. You know, I don't go to the movies looking for truth, but I cannot understand why they would characterise this person in, in a way she may not have been at all, you know. Why not just make a fictional movie? Um, you would have had the same power of storytelling, um, and I don't understand it. Uh, there are some quite explicit sex scenes, um, and yeah, you know. That not all bad then. not all bad, but like, you know what? I'd love to see Saoirse Ronan burning the bonnet now. I know like a four times Oscar nominated actress (laughs) doesn't need me giving her acting advice. But like I've been looking through the only significant um, contemporary film she's made in, in many, many years now has been Lady Bird. Like everything else has been period film. And I think, you know, she's 26. I've had the pleasure of of her her company once or twice in interviews and she's a funny girl and I'd love to see her do something young and do something contemporary. Um, I'm done with the bonnets.
0: Uh, uh, Well, Connor says, how disappointing it is that we finally get a film about Mary Anning and all anyone can talk about is the sex scene. Says it all about how low-bri our society uh, uh, has become. Arguably does a disservice to Mary Anning.
1: Yeah it's just the storytelling isn't there the, and, and the it's and, and you can I don't didn't believe in them as characters I think if you want to see a great great movie um, about um, a, you know a, a a topic like this like get um a french movie from last year called Portrait of a Lady on Fire it's a very similar story but it's handled with so much energy and verve and it's really really great so if that's the kind of area you want um To see examined on film, that's the film to watch. I
0: think. Okay, and spoiler alert: she's not really on fire. Uh, uh, (laughs) Fanula, Esther, and uh, Mick, thank you all very much. uh, As ever, always a pleasure. That's our lot for this week. Movies and booze
2: on Moncrief, brought to you by Lidl's award-winning wine range, Lidl. More for you.
1: Enjoy alcohol sensibly. Visit DrinkAware.ie.